Welcome to episode 102 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Hey, John. How's it going? Good. Good. Very uh, excited. It's sunny out in Boston, which is... um, you know, has been a rare thing, so I'm enjoying uh, the sunshine and being solar-powered for once instead of uh, powered internally. Yeah, it's been it's been beautiful weather after after the long uh, long winter. It's just just getting hotter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's going to get up to 90 later in the week. So, um, look, well, not really looking forward to that, but <laughs> that's on its way. So, so. This week on the digital life, let's let's dig into some of the uh, uh, one of our favorite things to do is dig into some of the uh, latest tech topics uh, in user experience and software. Uh, today, I've got three uh, news items for us to explore in the areas of mobile, uh, emerging tech, and wearables. So I'm just going to dive right in here. Um, this is a really interesting move. Uh, Microsoft last week uh, with their uh, Windows 10 uh, system are now encouraging developers to port their Android and iOS apps to Windows, and they're going to make that easy to do uh, via this new toolkit for Windows 10. So to me, (laughs) you know, I like that Microsoft is getting really pragmatic on the fact, you know, they're they're like, hey, we don't have any apps for our our Windows Mobile. Um, we need to get some quick. Let's make it easy for people to port. I don't know. How does that strike you, Dirk? Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. You know, this is it's such a it's such a sort of tired old harangue. You know, Apple and Google and Microsoft all all locked in this dance that on the mobile side, you know, Microsoft is, is so clearly losing. Um, I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's well-intentioned. I mean, they know they, they need to try and get back in the game. Will it be successful? Um, I don't know. You know, in the short term, I can't, I can't imagine it having that much impact, but who knows? Yeah, I think so. So another interesting thing that Microsoft is doing right now is it's making their uh, Windows 10 OS available for, uh, screens that are nine inches and uh, and uh, smaller to those uh, you know original equipment manufacturers, the OEMs, they're making the system available for free now. Like their their um, their new CEO is definitely taking some risks here because he knows that you know they're they're as you said you know they're they're kind of losing the battle for mobile, but you know they've they've got in their head they've got the desktop they've got um, you know this huge legacy resource. And um, you know they're really losing on the on the mobile OS front. So so these are some interesting pragmatic and un-Microsoft type moves um, that I guess the new regime is is putting in. Um, but yeah, it, it remains to be seen if they'll have any effect. I mean, is this changing your perception of Microsoft? Is this like a new Microsoft to you, or is this what is this? What do you think? You know, <laughs> from a brand perspective, Microsoft reminds me of McDonald's. So it's it's a dinosaur. It's something that used to be dominant and and really controlled the market. And it's you know the things that made it dominant um, have become 
if not irrelevant, certainly less important, um, out of fashion to some large degree. And, you know, people are just really slow to buy the changes. I saw, you know, I, I saw the McDonald's headline today, the new CEO, you know, we will have better products. Well, you know, hallelujah, <laughs> that sounds great. But people have identified McDonald's with a certain thing for decades um, all around the world. And Microsoft is in a similar position. I mean, from the standpoint of, of personal software, personal computing, uh, you know, Microsoft has had a very specific role. One, when they were at their best, was of sort of crushing business dominance and, you know, like a, like a totalitarian state of just, you know, forcing people out of business, crushing Netscape, um, and, and really becoming almost monopolistic in terms of their mm -hmm. control of aspects of the market. And those things led them to, you know, have Internet Explorer become so, so outdated and so out of step with where software technology was going that now, you know, it's discontinued, you know, 20, 20 years down the road from when it was, you know, the, essentially the only operating system or 15 years, 15, 20 years. Um, so that, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's the same old, it's the same old company trying to modernize, trying to change, but you, you really, you can only get so far away from, that that brand identity that is you know really defined you and especially if what you're trying to do is play catch up like the the, the virtue of what microsoft is doing now is just that it's um you know in tune with how most of the rest of you know software personal computing technologies are are behaving as companies you know the the openness the trying to get things to be easy and cross-platform like that's table stakes so mm -hmm. you know if microsoft wants to change their perception if they want to do something that really has an impact they're going to do something that is different is really pushing things in a new direction is setting a new trend um, then perhaps they can shed their old skin but until then they're that same out of step sort of clueless behemoth just trying to pivot to remain relevant and i don't know it's kind of unsightly yeah if dirk i know you give you know companies advice on on uh on on this sort of this sort of thing if you were if microsoft came to you and said hey we really need um we need help here we need to get bigger market penetration we need to make us make a stand on mobile you know do you have any thoughts on on what you might tell them Um, no, I don't. I mean, I would need a lot more context into, into Microsoft, you know, into um, the state of their business, into where they're at from an R&D and sort of production capabilities perspective in a lot of ways, because with branding, you know, the, the most important thing is a strong alignment between what's happening in the company, what's happening with the product, what the market is looking for, like bringing all of those things together. So, um, it, you know, it's you really need a lot of internal information and knowledge that at, at the moment I just don't have. Yeah, I, I, and I think you might have revealed a little bit of of um, you know what potential advice could be. Just I mean, with that uh, you know alignment between you know what they are as a company and what they're what they appear to be. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a misalignment there between how they're acting now and what people remember them being. So uh, it will be interesting to see how this. Uh, how this plays out anyway. 
So, so the second item, uh, the news item that that I wanted to talk about today was, uh, you know, the the uh, Tesla company, uh, which you know is is known for their electric cars, has now uh, uh, come out with a home battery. Um, basically for, you know, it could be used for the, for the charging of those cars, of course, but also, uh, you know, making solar power and, and sort of the storage of um, solar power, you know, that, that much easier, hopefully, uh, you know, you can get your, uh, um, your power from the sun at those uh, peak times when, when the sun is available and store it. Uh, you know, in these Tesla home batteries uh, for use, you know, at night or, or what have you. Um, and the price point, you know, it's it's high, but but um, it's it's certainly not prohibitive if you're talking about building, you know, a house with solar for your your main source of power. Um, and additionally, you know, it's uh, you know this consumer-facing company with a lot of cachet um, is sort of putting their hat in the ring in terms of you know reshaping the way we're using energy, uh, you know, in the United States and and other countries as well. Um, what's your take on on Tesla's move into uh, you know this this aspect of of the energy market? It, it seems like a big move to me. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, from a product perspective as a consumer, I'm, I'm really skeptical. So, I, you know, I only know so much about it. So let me let me preface by saying that. But my understanding is that just the battery aspect of this system is like a $15,000 investment, more or less. Um, you know, I live in a climate where, you know, there are significant electricity needs in both the summer and the winter just to keep, you know, the, the internal climate controlled. Um, but even given that, you know, what is what is our annual electric bill? I don't know, you know, it's it's over a 1000. Um, it's definitely under 3000. It might be under 2000. So just just to have the battery break even it's at least five years, maybe more. And if, if you're going with solar and other things, it's just cost, 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 cost. Um, and then, you know, what are batteries notorious for? They're notorious for not working anymore. They're notorious for needing to be replaced. Um, so for me, you know, 15,000 for this whole house battery, I mean, that's a one percenter solution. I, I have no interest in it. Um, you know, the technology would really need to be vetted, you know, I don't know what the right time frame is, but 20 year guarantee, you know, 30 year guarantee. Um, and knowing that the parts are going to be replaced if it if it gets mucked up because it's so much upfront investment, um, you know, that I, it's hard for people to afford. It's hard for me to afford. And, um, there's really no promise of, of, you know, it, it working once, you know, once some, some time passes, the ROI just isn't there. So, so that's sort of my, my take as a consumer. I just, I find it conceptually, it's interesting. It's like, God, yeah, you know, having that technology work and be affordable would be phenomenal, but it's, it's just not accessible. Yeah, I think this is the uh, sort of first um, first wave, um, you know, when it comes to uh, you know solar and and energy storage. Uh, at least the first wave, insofar as 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 it being a uh, more common consumer product. So it definitely has the feel of of something that that. Uh, you know that early adopters would like and and possibly you know 
pony up money for uh, for other reasons than pure like, hey, I'm replacing, um, you know, electricity from the grid with my own ar- array of solar panels and these batteries. Like, may, you know, maybe it fits in with their their uh, lifestyles and the way they 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 think about themselves or they have the disposable income and they feel like this is a good thing. Um, so so I see that being sort of the front the front leading edge. Um, to to me, the um, you know I'm always astounded at the the rate of progression when it comes to uh, uh, you know technologies like these. Um, how this is becoming more and more of of, of the conversation. Uh, to be fair, you know we've we've had the opportunity to use solar power for 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 decades now, and and the promise just. Um, has exceeded, you know, the actual delivered products. So there is that, uh, that level of skepticism. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, the inside me, I just got, I got really excited about, you know, these, these batteries that, uh, you know, that you could power your house and be off the, off the grid. I guess, I guess it's, it's romantic in a way for, you know, if, if, if you're, if you lean in that direction and you want to be sort of, uh, self-contained and and have all your power generated uh, to yourself, uh, or even maybe put power back into the grid. Um, if those are things that you really want, then then uh, rational or not, you know, I kind of got excited about it. Yeah, I mean those those are super exciting things, but at this point, I don't think it's rational. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so the last item that we have. Uh, 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 the news item that that I thought it was uh, interesting for from a uh, from a UX and technology perspective was the uh, uh, the the looming luxury smartwatch wars um, and say that three times quickly. Um, so so we've got Tag Heuer uh, with their upcoming uh, Android um, powered watch, right? And it's going to cost you know, roughly $1,400. Um, and, and it, it just occurred to me all of a sudden that, that this is a realm number one, where, um, you know, the, the sort of the utility of, of the tech, you know, the mobile technologies is getting intertwined very quickly with these lifestyle statements that, you know, people have made with watches for a very long time. Um, and, I understand both of those things, the need for data gathering and quantified self um, um, versus, you know, the sort of, hey, you know, I have this wonderful piece of jewelry. And and to me, those things coming together, like, I don't know, it just feels very, I mean, at least to me, it's, it feels inaccessible in terms of, uh, you know, me being an audience for it. I, I, I can't relate to, you know, a $1,400 uh, luxury Android watch in the same way that I can't really relate very well to, you know, the high end gold plated Apple watch, uh, that they debuted. Um, and it feels very, um, targeted, uh, no longer at, at the mass market, but at like this, this, this higher end market. And maybe, maybe that's where it is. And maybe that's, uh, where it's supposed to be, but it, it feels like foreign territory to me. Does it, does it feel like that to you, Dirk? It does, yeah. I mean, it's another one percenter solution. Um, it's it's for the one percenters and for the super geeked out quantified self people who are the the real 
sort of paragons of that community, maybe, but it's just not for the rest of us at all. And what's interesting is that the media covers it, right? So things that are created in our consumer culture for the one percenters are generally off in their own space that we we don't see as everyday consumers. They have their own magazines. They have their own media that um, that isn't on, you know, CNN or or whatever your um, you know, your mass media of, of choices. So what's interesting is that this category is being covered by mass media as if it was a broad consumer product, but it ain't. It's a very niche thing. I think some people are, of course, going to buy these things, invest in these things. Uh, I think that's enough money. You have to say that. Um, and initially, but the, the the future of it, at least in our current configuration, is really questionable. I mean, uh, given all the hype, I've I've thought about it and said, what what am I missing? You know, why why is this not appealing to me as an early as a relatively early adopter? I'm 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 kind of a fast follower. I'm not a ble- bleeding edger, but mm-hmm. um, this this should appeal to me. It doesn't at all. And the the issue for me is too many devices in a certain way. Like if this thing, if if a watch product would make it so that my phone was either totally replaced or reduced to a small auxiliary thing that just had a role in the ecosystem, but I didn't have to handle and interact with a lot, then it starts to be more interesting. But having all of these multiple things that are very expensive doing overlapping things, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So for me, for for a watch to become interesting, and frankly, a $1,400 watch um, probably would never become interesting unless it had hot swappable upgrades, so I'm not having to buy a new one every year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for that to become interesting, it really would require a, a, being a phone replacement as opposed to a phone enhancer, um, I think. Otherwise, just spending way too much money on these devices for these sort of marginal, interesting upgrades that are totally non-essential to to my life. Yeah, I think you put your finger on something really interesting there, Derek, which is, so so when you go out and buy a Swiss watch, right, you're buying that reliability, right? You're buying that because it's almost heirloom quality. You've got this watch. You've got it forever. It's beautiful. You're going to give it to your son, your daughter, whatever, right? When you get an Android device, do you think about it the same way? You think like, oh, shoot, I'm going to have this for a few years and then I'm going to trash it. What happens, or recycle it, right? So what happens when those two things come together, right? So is this heirloom quality Android watch? Like, <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like, the reason I would buy a Swiss watch isn't there anymore because you introduced uh, an operating system that's going to change and need, like, constant care and feeding if, if it's going to last past the four-year mark. So I'm really curious about it. It's such a strange combination, um, and I don't know what to make of it. And maybe I'm just not the audience for it, but um, it puzzles me. Yeah, me too. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett, J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. 
And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at GoInvo.com. So that's it for episode 102 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. 